0: He said, the, the second verse says, thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you for the power of your blood. I am overwhelmed by your affection, the kindness and the greatness of your love. He says, Jesus, you make all things new. You make all things new. As we were, as we were in worship, I felt like the Lord saying, that's a declaration that we need to make. And, and I, I felt that uh, there are those that are in the room who've been uh, in a place, and you say, God, when is this going to change? When is there going to be a shift? When is it, it going to change? And he said, I just want you to make this declaration. Jesus, you make all things new. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's do that. Jesus, you make all things new. Now, what I want you to do with that is I want you to make that as a declaration of faith, not as that you're a little parrot repeating what I'm saying. That you make that as a declaration of faith, that you say, Jesus, I really believe you make all things new. Okay? You with me? Now, here's the kicker. The way he makes all things new is we set our eyes on him, not on the things that we want to be new. Because the first part of the song, before it ever gets down to that, talks about his death and his, his resurrection. It talks about the price that he paid. And as we were singing that, and I think maybe one of the other songs, I don't, I'll just be honest with you. When we're singing, I get lost. Not lost uh, uh, with the lyrics, but just lost in the song. Because I start just fellowshipping he and I and saying, all right, Lord, I get to worship you. And I get to do this corporately with people I love. And, and we get to encounter you. We don't just get to come together and sing songs. We get to encounter you for who you are. And he starts speaking to my heart and giving some direction and things like that. And, uh, but as we were singing that, I just want us to understand why we have this right that we sang about. When we can declare all things new. Listen to this in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, 28. I'm going to start there, and then I'm going to go through some part of chapter ten. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. So He said that Christ was offered what once, once to bear the sins of many. So Jesus doesn't have to. He's not a sacrifice that has to be made over and over and over again every time we miss it and mess up. He made a way. Then we go over. Uh, Verse uh, 12, go to chapter 10, verse. we'll just start in verse 11. And every year, uh, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. It didn't say it couldn't cover sin because that's what it did, but it said it couldn't take it away. But this man, (laughs) but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, what? Forever. He did what? He forever. He sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he, he perfected what? Forever those who are being sanctified. And the word sanctified there is set apart doesn't mean those who are being made right with him through a process. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that those who have been made righteous by his blood, there's a process of sanctification, of setting apart. And it means that's what it means to sanctify. means to set apart for use. And that process comes as we just, that Romans 12, 1 and 2, as we uh, are living sacrifice to him. Uh, <clears throat> verse 15, by... But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their what? Into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will what? You say, It's not that I can't read, okay? I just think there's power in it coming out of your mouth, not me just reading it to you. He said, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. (laughs) So he's saying when it's been taken care of, there's no other offerings that need to be made. Good, right? Therefore, on the basis of what we just said, right? That's what this therefore is there for. It's so that you know that on the basis of what's just been said, I'm going to make this next statement. Having boldness to enter in, to enter by the, ho- I'm sorry, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of what? Faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? (laughs) And let us consider who? One another in order to do what? Stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So Jesus... Is the sacrifice that made a way for us to do what to enter in to the holiest by the blood? He said in verse nineteen. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter uh, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which was consecrated, which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is through His flesh. And verse 25 says, don't forsake yourselves coming together, the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. So he's saying, as you see the times coming to an end, and everybody's talking about that now. Everybody's talking. Hey, I want you to understand this. I think I said it last week, but i am say it again this week. The enemy is a master deceiver. And as much as he's a master deceiver, he's a master distractor. He's a master distractor. And here's what's sad. He has media on his side. So what are you saying? I'm saying he said as the day's approaching, we should stir one another up in love. Isn't that what it said here? He said that, he said, verse 24, let us consider one another, consider, think about, put others first, one another, in order to stir up love and good works. He didn't say to get distracted on everything that's going on in current affairs. I've told you, I'm, I'm redefining I'm re, uh, what I am on Facebook because I used to say I'm a stalker and I'm not. I'm, a, I'm not a stalker. I don't go look at people and just find out all their mess. That's not what I do. I'm more of a gazer. I just look. I don't post a whole lot. And I don't, and I want you to know, I haven't looked at any of your Facebook. I couldn't tell you when. If it's not popped up on my newsfeed, I don't know anything about it. Okay, so I'm not a stalker looking at your stuff, but here's what I want you to know. If your newsfeed is more about current affairs than it is who Jesus is to you, you're distracted. I don't care how righteous your cause is, you're distracted. I love you. But I'm just amazed at how easy it is. You know, the the movie, Up. I'm sorry, this is how I live, this is my world. I'm going to let you in. Y'all know the movie Up? Everybody's seen the movie Up? If not, go home and watch it today. I'm just kidding. It's not that. It's a good movie, but it's a, it's a Disney movie, cartoon kind of movie, whatever, animated movie. And the, the thing, there's a dog in there that's got a collar on. And the dog's got a collar. He can talk because this guy created this collar where he can communicate. And the dog does well in communicating until what? Squirrel. He can be right in the middle of something. He's a Squirrel squirrel. He just, my dog is that way. We had a bird feeder outside my window that we quit feeding because the birds were relieving themselves everywhere around our furniture, and Tina was just not having it. So she quit feeding the birds. (laughs) But we had this squirrel that would shimmy up into the, and he would lean across into the bird feeder, and he would eat because we had corn and all that sunflower seeds, all that good stuff in there. And he would lean over, and he would wipe out. He would stick his hand over there and rake it out on the ground, just Rake it out and then go down and he would, he would eat. And uh, Lexi, wouldn't really see him because she's vertically challenged. <laughs> but I could tell her, squirrel. And she could be laid out on the couch like this just in another world. And I could say, squirrel. And she's up and she's at the back door. And she's, scrat- am I, am I she's scratching the back door wanting to get out. <laughs> she's already barking. She has no idea where the squirrel is. Or even if there is one. She just knows I said squirrel and everything else in the world has stopped. (laughs) Nothing else matters except get me out the door so I can chase the squirrel, which I will never catch. (laughs) And I've seen our squirrel, our deck, the back of our deck is probably 15 to 20 foot. And I've seen a squirrel run straight off the back of our deck and just jump down to the ground. And Lexi will run to the back of the deck and look. And then she'll bark, and then she'll run around and run down the hill. But the squirrel's up four trees and gone before she gets to the bottom of the hill. But all I have to say is squirrel, and she forgets everything else. And she's chasing something she can't catch. And I see the same thing in the church. Now, there's no wonder the power's not there is because it's so easy to get distracted, and the next step is delusion. You get delusion, and you get Deluded. So the, the power that's there, the focus there, it gets so spread out on everything else. I think that we should stand up for what's right, the Word of God. I think we should stand up for righteousness. But I also think as we get caught chasing everything and posting everything, we get distracted, we get deluded, and we the priority of our life becomes something other than what it should be. That's Jesus. That's Him. If As we... Shine like lights. That's what he says that we are. He said that we, he said, you are light. I think it's in John's gospel. I was reading it this morning. I think that's where, he said, you are light. He didn't say you have light. He said, you are light in the world. That's who we are. We are light in the world. Now, if that light gets uh, disseminated out really wide, if it gets just pressed out because it's so focused on so many things, it doesn't have the power that it does. That it really has in it. That's what a laser. You know what a laser is? It's focused light. I, again, I, I haven't read anybody's news feed or anything. It wasn't even in my notes. I don't have notes, so it's good. <laughs> don't be nervous. It's all good. <clears throat> but I, it's just in my heart. Over the past few weeks, with everything that's gone on, with shootings to flags to Supreme Court justice rulings and all that. Here's what I want you to understand. These things have been around from the beginning. They're not new. They're not new. Whether it be the, the ruling, the Supreme Court ruling, that's been around. For Sodom and Gomorrah had an issue with it. Whether it's prejudice and racism, that's been around from the beginning, very, very beginning. it's been around. We see it right now, the the whole issues that are going on. It's it's the Isaac and Ishmael. It's a brother issue, a son and an orphan issue, and it's race-related. Racial issues aren't new, and the enemy uses so much to get us distracted. I go back to Last week, when I talked about the, the, the spies that were sent in, how many went? How many spies were there? How many came back with a bad report? You know why? How many of them saw, did the 12 people all see something different? They all see the same thing. But you know what was different? The difference was how they saw God in the midst of what they saw. That was the difference. They all saw the same thing. And I'm telling you, we can see the same thing. And instead of being discouraged and and downhearted and saying, oh, it's just the the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we're all in it. No, we're not. No, we're not. We have the life of God. He said that we could come boldly before the throne of grace. That's who we are. But here's what I want you to know. What you behold, you become. You don't become what you want, you become what you you become what you behold. I was listening to Bill Johnson this last week, and he took it a f- step further. As he said, what you constantly behold is what you worship, and that's what you become. But what we behold, we become. So we have to make a determine, a determination, what am I beholding? What's holding preeminence? What's holding priority in my life? Those 12 who went in, they all saw the same thing, but they all but two of them had a different perspective on how they saw what they saw. 10 said, "We're already grasshoppers in our own sight as well as in theirs." 2 said, "We're well able to take this because God's with us. We are well able. We're grasshoppers, we're well able." I thought it was awesome when we see Joshua sending his spies in. He didn't send 12. He sent two. (laughs) He said, hold on, I'm going to cut this way down. I got a 50-50 chance these guys are going to come back and say the right thing. (laughs) Amen. That was all by way of introduction. But he said this. I want to go back and say this. He said, verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood. So he said, we can have boldness to go right into the presence of God because that's what the holiest of holies represented. It was the presence of God. We talked last week about Moses would go to the t- uh, tent in Exodus 33. He would go to the tent of meeting. And when he would go to the tent of meeting, the, pl- the cloud would come down, the tent of meeting. And when the cloud would come down, it would be the presence of God. It was there. And what I love about that is, uh, and this is the heart of what I want to share today, it's uh, Exodus 33, verse, verse 7. So Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. Uh, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 8. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass When Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face. This week as I've been meditating on that. I was, I've been thinking, Lord, I've got something that Moses didn't have. That's, that's a true statement. <laughs> Because Moses didn't have the Lord living in him because the price had not been paid, the sacrifice had not been given that made us the righteousness of God in Christ. The presence of the Lord would come upon Moses and empower him. But the Lord would come into the tent of meeting and he would meet with Moses, but then Moses would leave and he would leave the presence of the Lord. We have the beauty of being the temple of God, the tabernacle that where the presence of God lives and abides forever. Is that awesome? In us. That, and he said that Moses... Uh, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. Listen. ah, But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. What did Joshua do? He stayed there in the presence of the Lord. He said, I understand what's important. And that's me to know God, to spend time with Him, to abide with Him, to be with Him. See, Joshua's focus was on the Lord. That's why Joshua was set apart to be the next leader. It was because he was a man who knew how to spend time with the Lord. Who, who was called the man after God's own heart? It's not hard. David. He was a man after God's own heart. Was it because David was perfect? Not at all. Is it because David got it right every time? Not at all. It was because David knew what the most important thing was, and that was time with the Lord. It was worship so that he knew, as I behold him, I become like him. And we see things that David did. It's actually, David did things in the Old Testament that should have been reserved for us in the New Testament, but it was because of his passion for the presence and the love of God that we see the things happening in David's life. This week, the Lord has illustrated that to me in, in many different ways as I've uh, spent time to meditate on these these things that I'm telling you about, about uh, just being with him. Remember, we shared last week, too, about Moses when he the Lord called him to come up on the mountain, he said, I just want you to come up on the mountain and be there. Just be there. And the Lord's been telling me this week, I, you know, I just be... I shared the statistic, I think it was last week, and i shared it a couple times here, I think, since I read it on Facebook. <laughs> Not stalking, parousing, looking. Better, right, honey? And uh, it was about pastors who it said a huge portion of pastors it was between 80 and 90 some percent the only time they spend with the Lord is when they're trying to prepare a message now I want to just be transparent with you mine has flipped I don't spend a lot of time preparing messages anymore you probably think if you think in this don't say it out loud I can tell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can tell, I'm glad you recognize it because we've known for a while. I've been concentrating on spending time with him. And there's, it doesn't mean that you, don't do, you can't do both, but what I've noticed is as I spend time with him, the beauty of the relationship I have with him, is what our youth groups call, it's the overflow out of that relationship with him that real life comes up on the inside of me. And I feel that when we really encounter life is then we have something to give away. Instead of just saying, well, this will preach, and that'll be good. And um, as I've been spending time with him, just about being there with him, abiding in him, as John 15 says, he's been teaching me a lot, and uh, it's amazing, isn't it, how you spend time with him and you learn? Um, I wanna, I've got so much I want to share right here just quickly. Uh, slow down. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Um, In Ephesians chapter 3, the Lord, I know this isn't a new passage of scripture that we've spent a lot of time in it lately, but uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, the Lord showed me something this week. Without reading Ephesians 3.20, how many of you know what 3.20 says? I mean, it's no condemnation. Now to him who's able to exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the that's at work in us, right? Ephesians 3.20. You know, we have those verses that we memorize because of what they mean to us. Like Philippians four. Come on, youth. God, give me a youth. What's some 413? Stephen, come on. Where are you at? Where are my youth? you? I, I can do all things through Christ. You know, we hold on to those. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. What the Lord has taught me this week is I've taken time to be there with him, to spend time with him. I've spent more time just in prayer and in fellowship and in worship with him than just studying Hebrew and Greek. And that's all. Please... If you want to get in a ditch, I'm the type of guy I'll always give you a ditch to get into. But I'm not in one today, so I want you to hear me. I believe in the Hebrew and Greek. I was looking stuff up this morning. I may even give you some definitions out of the Greek. Uh, But this past week, where I've been, uh, the past few weeks, it's just being there with him. Because I'm going to tell you, in ministry, in church, is the easiest place to get distracted. Because you're doing good stuff, and you're doing it for a good person. Jesus. (laughs) Right? But if you lose sight, it just becomes tradition. It becomes religion. If there's not intimacy and relationship in it, it's religion. It's form without power. If there's not faith involved in it, the Bible even goes so far in Romans to say if it's not faith, it's sin. Ouch. So what I'm saying is this, it's important that we spend time with him. It's important that we study the word, that we know what the word says. But the most important thing, what Jesus gave his life for, was for us to have relationship with him, not to gain a bunch of knowledge. He even said of the Pharisees, they're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He said in John, they seek the scriptures because in them they think they have eternal life. Well, that sounds like an oxymoron. Because where do we get eternal life from? From the Scriptures. Who's the Scriptures? Jesus. He's the Word. But what he was saying is they're after this pursuit where they can say, I have this knowledge, but I have no relationship. And you know what I've noticed about people who have a lot of knowledge and no relationship? They're very judgmental. They're not happy people. They're not enjoying life. They're enduring life. And if they got anything to do with it, they're going to help you not enjoy life too. Why? Because the relationship has been pulled apart. There's no joy in it because there's no life in it. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse chapter three, verse 14, says this, "For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named." I love that. You know I can't tell you how many years I read that and just blew right past it like it had absolutely no significance at all. And it's really the heart of the gospel right here. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the what? The whole who? Family. What? Family. The whole family. You know, that's what's precious to me, to Tina. When we look and we see our body operating like a family, that's when we like to pray, Papa, you couldn't hit enough home runs to make us feel any better that when, when we see the family operating like a family, when they surround those who are hurting and they love them and they, hold, they build them up and strengthen them, that they stir one another up in, good, in love and in good works. Isn't that what we read in Hebrews? Isn't that what he said we're supposed to be doing? To stir one another up in love and in, unto good works. And when I see that happening, man, that excites me. That excites me. That I go, man, we're getting it, Lord. We're getting it. Um... It's funny, at Mark's church in, in Myrtle Beach, there's a young guy there, and I can't remember his name right now. But this, this huh, not Tucker, it's the other guy that's, uh, that works with Tucker. But uh, this young guy, he just got saved about six or seven months ago. He came from a family that was uh, pretty much uh, atheistic. They didn't believe in God, but they believed that they were their own gods, and if they didn't make it happen, it wouldn't happen. And you couldn't really depend on anybody but their family. You can have acquaintances, but you can't trust them. All you can trust is your family. This right here inside of this house, this is all you can trust. And So uh, this guy's in his 20s, and uh, I mean, no understanding of who God is or anything like that up until six or seven months ago, got radically born again. I'm not saying Jesus showed up in his room, but just radically gave all of his heart to Jesus when he got saved. And he came into the culture down there with Mark and them and their church, which is very much like ours, which is family. That it's, it's not about all the gifts and all those are important. I'm all about the gifts. I believe that the true gospel is a powerful gospel, not a powerless gospel. But the beauty of the gospel is relationship. He said, we can come boldly. That's the beauty, is that we're back in relationship with the living God. And this young man, uh, it's funny, this young man, he got, not that he got radically saved, turned on, but all of a sudden, he encountered family, not just the people that were his blood kin, but family who loved each other beyond what's normal. And it so impacted his life that I'm not exactly, we were down, we, I, we went Saturday night when we first got down, we went and we had a cookout at Mark's house, and uh, he was there, and He's a surfer. He's got a long ponytail about down to here. His little boy, his oldest one, I called a little girl for about an hour because he also had a long ponytail, but he had his hair cut to me, looked like a little girl, had this little, he had a mullet. The best I can describe it, it was business in the front and party in the back, the way he had it pulled up. I said, his daughter, Tina said, that's a boy. I said, no, that's a little girl. She said, that's a boy. I'm telling you, that's a boy, and his littlest one was a boy, but uh, his oldest one, I think he was getting ready to turn four, and that afternoon, he was having a birthday party, and his son loves Spider-Man, so one of Mark's sons, who does this, what is it, parkour, what, not park, is that the stuff where they run, jump off houses, and all that stuff, it, it, whatever that's called, his oldest son does that, and he's really good at it. So he was going to dress up like Spider-Man. He bought a Spider-Man suit. He said, I bought one cheaper than I could rent one. He bought this whole Spider-Man suit. Well, the Sunday that we had the party, Mark's son left to go to the beach. I mean, go to the camp. And so he said, I'm going to be Spider-Man. He said, but the cool part about it, he said, I'm going to flip off. He said, I've been practicing flipping. He said, I'm going to flip off a table. And when I flip off the table, I'm going to pull my mask off. And my son's going to go, my dad is Spider-Man. But he said, here's what I'm getting to. He said, you want to come? You come to the party. Man, we'd love to have you. I was immediately, I, I met him, knew, talked to him 15 minutes, and I was family to him because we have the same dad. He said, you want to come to the party this afternoon for my son? I'm going to be dressed up like Spider-Man. I said, dude, show me again. He had a picture of himself. He was, in, he was like this in his Spider-Man suit, and he was built to be like Spider-Man. You know, he, he, he looked like a Spider-Man. But he was, he was excited about it. Then we were talking later, and he said, And Tuesday, we're having this uh, meeting Tuesday night at my house, my wife and I. We'd love for y'all to come. But, I mean, to him, it was natural that if you're doing this thing called Christianity, that you don't do it alone. And then when you meet someone else who may not be doing it like you're doing it, you invite them in so they're no longer out here doing their own thing, but they get to be a part of something much bigger than them. And I went to Mark, and I was like, Dude. He invited me to his birthday party for his son, and he invited me to the meeting. He said, I, he said I, I don't even know what. He said, he's that way with everyone. He said, when a new person comes to church, he goes up to him. That's so outside of our paradigm of what church is supposed to look like. We come in, do our thing, whatever it is, and then we leave with the ones that we came with. Many times don't even see if there's anybody other than the ones we came with in the room. Wow. And he said, as you see the day approaching, when you see things getting worse, make sure you post about it on Facebook all the time. Make sure that you stay up on everything that's going on, and make sure you keep all your friends informed about all the darkness and negativity that's going on in the world, because I'm pretty sure they're missing it. So make sure you keep them informed. Is that what he said? No. He said, no. As you see the day approaching, stir up one another in love and good works. Boy, you're talking about two opposite ends of the spectrum, stir up mess or stir up love and good works. We've got a choice. And you know what? I'm convinced the choice is made by where we set our gaze. It's not as much a mental decision that we make, hey, today I'm going to just propagate darkness, as much as if I keep my eyes on what the world is doing, on carnality. Let me, let me help you with this. In the Greek, carnal doesn't mean sinful. It means fleshly. But it leads to sin. But when the Bible talks about being carnally minded is death, it doesn't talk about you're always thinking about uh, sexual sin or pornography or or stealing, or raping, or any of that. It just means that you're focused more on the flesh and what's going on in the flesh than you are on him. And he said it, re- it brings what? Death. But to be spiritually minded, is life and peace. That we can have peace in the midst of a bunch of mess if we can't keep our eyes set in the right place. So he said, stir up to works to love stir up love and good works and so much the more as you see the day approaching i never got past one verse in ephesians did I? I just got 14 <laughs> let's go back we got 15 too because that's where we got on family from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man you know what's so beautiful about this too we don't see the word trinity in the bible but we see the three working as one, and we see it throughout the Scripture. We see it in the beginning when God said, let us make man in our image. Us there, it's plural, and, uh, in, in Genesis. But here, we see in 14, the Father, and we see Jesus. And then here in uh, 16, he talks about the Spirit. Yeah, I just think that's sweet. That's just sweet. He wants us to understand. This isn't a novel idea I've given you. I've made provision for you. So all you have to do is receive it and walk in it. I've given you the power to do this. I'm not asking you to do something you can't do. I want you to understand. I've given you the power to do it. The Spirit, through His Spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? Through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth a uh, depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. I don't know in your translation, but in mine, there's a break, a parenthetical break, and it, then verse 20 comes. Y'all understand what that means? That just means that it starts a new paragraph. My Bible's that way. And I know that our, uh, wow, well, I don't know how much of this I want to say without confusing somebody in Chapter and verse wasn't in the original text, okay? It wasn't there. Uh, But in this particular setting, I think that it follows the train of thought that's being said. Does that make sense? If not, just act like it does, and I'll explain it again later. You come to me, and I'll help you. So so what I'm saying is this. In this prayer that Paul is praying, the heart of what he is praying is intimacy and relationship with the Father. That we're rooted and grounded in what? Love. Who's love? God is love. He said, I want you to understand that you've got to be rooted and grounded in Him. He said that in the way that we do, I mean, look, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, of His manifest presence, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in our inner man. Verse 17, why? That Christ may do what? Dwell, take up abode, abide in our hearts. How? Through faith. And because of that, we're what? Rooted and grounded in what? Love. What did he say in Hebrew? Stir up up what? Love. You know why? Because it's like uh, good old Italian dressing. Love, if it's not stirred up, it'll sink to the bottom. Oh, you don't believe me? Just choose not to practice love for a little while and see what comes to the top. It ain't purdy. We've got to be intentional to allow love to be who we are because it is who we are. It's not what we do. It's who we are. We have to be intentional to choose love because the carnal, it wants you to choose the flesh. Okay, moving right along. That went over well. Root and grounded love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To do what? To know. This word know in the Greek is ginosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. And it, it literally means this. I mean, I've got it, I think. Hold on. Yes. Listen. It means to learn to know a person through direct personal experience. Implying a continuity of relationship to know, to become acquainted with, to become, to be familiar with. Now, this doesn't mean familiar in the fact that I discount it. Do you understand? Because we can be too familiar with people, and when we get too familiar with them, then their weight, their words have no weight with us. We can become too familiar with people, and that's just, oh, that's just Todd. Or that's just Tyler. That's just Hannah. And we, we lose the value of what they say when we become too familiar. Does that make sense? That's not what this is saying. <laughs> what this is saying is that we, we get to know familiarity like this and the fact that someone could come up to me and said, Tina said this about you. Now, because of the familiarity I have with her, I could tell you right off if that's true or if that's a lie. Not because I was there, not because of any other fact other than because I'm familiar with her. I know her because we spent 28 years getting to know each other, be married 26 years this year. We've do you understand? So we, I know her. So I know how she acts. I know how she responds. You with me? He's saying, we should know the Lord that way. We should know the Lord that way. So if someone misrepresents him and says, well, God said this or God that you got, nope, nope, nope. Maybe your God with a little G, but my God with the big G, that's not him. How can you say it? Because I know him. Well, that's sacrilegious. No, that's relationship. I know him. And that's what he's talking about here. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. My first point, I'm just kidding. (laughs) i tell you I didn't have notes, so I'm I'm not going to be long. Verse 20. So he says through these first few verses that we just read, this prayer that Paul's praying for us, for the church, not just for the Ephesians, for the church, is that we, would know, that we would have this intimate relationship with him. And once we understand that relationship with him, I believe that's when verse 20 comes in. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now let me tell you where I got in a ditch on this. And where this week, the Lord, as I've been just being there with him, where the Lord started highlighting this and showing me stuff, I've prayed this prayer, I've told you, over our church, I've prayed this prayer over myself, over uh, my family for years now. I don't know how many years, but almost every day, I, I would say I don't miss 10 days in a year that I don't make this declaration over myself, over you, over my family, And I would get to this part, and now to him, I was able to do exceeding, abundantly above all we ask or think. And then you just go over and, God, I'm asking this, and I'm thinking this. Are you going to do exceeding, abundantly above all of that? And what I missed was the relationship. I was looking for the exceeding, abundantly above instead of the foundation of what it was all about, and that was just being with him. So this week, as I have not, you know, we're getting ready to go to the DR. Did you all know that? Next Sunday, we're getting ready to go to the DR. So last week, Stephen and I met to just go over the finances that we have. By the way, thank you for everyone who gave toward the sound system we had exceeding abundantly above. It's going to open the door to do more than what we thought we'd be able to do. And that's just how he is. Uh, And I will say this, (laughs) if you would love to give toward the DR trip where you're not going, we invite you to do so. Because all the money that goes down stays down and allows us to do more down there. So if you'd love to sow a seed into that, you're free to do that today. Um, I hadn't intended on saying that, but I wanted to say thank you. So Stephen and I met and we were going over the finances to make sure we had everything squared away and uh, looking at what was coming in and what we knew was going to have to go out and One of the things that we need down there are water coolers. For those who didn't know, that's what this is. I was was informed this morning through Melita that this is what the porters have at home. They don't have chairs. They have water coolers, and they all sit on them. Because she wanted to sit on mine. I said, that's not a chair. It's a water cooler. She said, no, it's a chair. We got like 20 at the house, and that's what we sit on. I said, oh, like they all have your name on them, and you just sit on yours and get your water at the table when you're ready? She's not even in here to enjoy that. But we needed, we needed water coolers to go with us for our team. So we had been looking online at different things, and I saw them. They were at Home Depot. And uh, I told Stephen, I said, I'll run over to Home Depot and just ask him. I said, I, um, I know, I don't... Okay, I'm not quoting, all right? Don't get offended or in a ditch or anything like that. Please. There's some sort of religious background to uh, Home Depot. I don't know what it is. I just know that they've come under fire because of some of the rights groups and all that, because of their stand on different things. I don't know what any of that is. I've just seen it, okay? Are you with me? Kind of like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. They've been lumped in with them. So I don't know. I think what it is is that they're, it's a Jewish, uh, the owners are Jewish. though they're not Christian. They're Jewish. They're not Messianic They're Jewish, but they still... Hold some of the same thing They hold the Bible to be true. Imagine that. Uh, the Old Testament, anyway. The, the Orthodox Jews. Anyway, I said, I know there's some kind of connection there. My, here's my thing. I'm just letting you in my head. If you're confused, don't worry. It's okay. It'll all pan out. I said, they may give us some off of the water coolers. Are you with me? So I went. They were like, they were the cheapest people, uh, business. They were like $21.95, 21 45 something like that apiece. So I go, and I'm actually talking to Stephen when I walk in. We're on the phone talking about the trip and different things. And uh, I walk in. There's a lady working in this department. And I I go up to her, and I said, hey, um, these water coolers. I said, my name's Todd. We're getting ready. We're leaving two weeks. We're going down to the Dominican Republic on a missions trip. We're going to take these coolers down, but we're going to leave them there for the church there that uh, we support. I just want to see if we could, uh, if Home Depot may give us a discount on them. That was my heart. No, no manipulation. I was just asking. You, you don't have because you don't ask. Have not because you ask not. I said. And the lady, she said, "Well, you have not because you ask not. Doesn't hurt anything to ask, does?" I said, "Sure, don't. Don't hurt a thing." I said, "If you don't know, if you don't ask, you don't know." She said, "You're right." And I said, "What you don't know can kill you." She said, "You're right." <clears throat> so we had a little session. It was good. And uh, she said, "Well, my assist, the assistant manager's up at the service desk. We can walk up there and ask her." I said, "Okay." So we walk up, she introduced me, I think her name's Michelle, probably not, I don't know, I just grabbed that one out of the air. <laughs> I think that's right, but don't hold me accountable for that one either. If I didn't read it out of the Bible, don't, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we walk up and I introduce, I do the whole thing again, hey, my name's Todd, uh, and tell her what we're doing, and she said, well, what is it you're wanting? I said, the cup, just two water coolers, that we're going to take them down. She looked at the girl, she said, just give me the skew off of him and he's good. And uh, the girl just said, okay. So we walked back over there. She wrote down the part number, if you will. And she said, he said, he's good. He can just take them out of the store. So they didn't give us a discount. They gave them to us. (laughs) And I called Stephen walking out of the store. And I said, we're going to celebrate this. Because the thing the Lord has told me, what you celebrate, you make room for. Mm -hmm. And what the Lord showed me through this, I said, God, I want this to cut deep into my heart. Do we in the mission budget have $50 for water coolers? Absolutely. We're going, to use, we're going to leave a lot more than that there in the DR blessing them. I'm believing because I believe more favors showing up. But did we have the money? Yes, it wasn't a thing where we're believing God because we don't have the money for. It was one of those things we were just being with him. And as we were focusing on him, just loving on him, he said, Hey, I want to do one of those Ephesians 3.20 things for you. Not because you came and you said, hey, I need you to do exceeding abundantly above. I want $5 off, give me 10 It wasn't that. I didn't put him in a box. I didn't put a limitation on him. I didn't even ask him for something uh, in, other than, God, I'm going to go in just in your favor. I want what you want. And so Stephen and I, probably 10 or 15 minutes, laughed and cried together celebrating two water coolers. And I set them in my desk, in my office. And a couple times this week, I was up here sitting at my desk, and I looked at them water coolers, and I said, God, I choose not to forget. I choose not, because if I can celebrate two water coolers that I had the money for, that we, the church, the trip, had the money for, if I can celebrate them, then what can I do for the things that he really wants to do? How do I make room for what he really wants? wants to do. And I'm telling you, almost every day this past week, I wasn't asking. Almost every day. Tuesday What day was that, Steve? Monday that we met or Tuesday? I can't remember. I think it was Monday, but I'm not sure. We met every day this past week. One way or the other, God said, I just want you to show, I want to show you that exceeding abundantly above thing that I'm able to do. In areas that I had been struggling with, some things of trust that I needed to give to Him, He said, I just want to show you. Because you're not asking for any of those things. You're just spending time with me. You're just getting rooted and grounded in me because I'm love. And I want you to know who I am. I mean, throughout the week, in the church, for the trip, in the church, in our personal life, I want you to understand, do you hear me? In every area of my life, he showed me another facet of of his glory, of his beauty. And it wasn't because I went before him asking for it. I just said, I want to know you. I want to spend time knowing you. And I, almost every day this week, I've spent time to just thank him for water coolers. Because I go, Lord, what else is it that you want to do? But we get distracted. That's the title of my message. So if you can write that on the... Distracted. It wasn't, but it is now. If we don't get distracted off of the main thing, and it's not a thing, it's a person. He desires to do the exceeding. One other illustration, and I'll stop. I got much more that I could say, but I believe it's time. I, I was, uh, as I was meditating on all of this, and just what I saw the Lord doing. I said, Lord, I don't want to get distracted in this, in the blessing. And uh, he he reminded me of Brianna, my daughter. And he reminded me of there are times that uh, I would be somewhere and I would see something that I knew she would like. It wasn't anything that she had asked for. I don't even know if it was anything she had thought about. But I knew her. And I knew it was something that she would like. And as a father, I said, you know what? I'm going to get it. Not because I have to, not because there's a demand placed on me, because I get to, because I love her, and I want her to, to know that she's loved. You know, we were looking yesterday, one of those things, we got a GameCube. Yeah, her and I, we had talked about a GameCube before when they first came out. Some of y'all don't even know what a GameCube is. Y'all too young. Some too old. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying I, This is a little Nintendo game system, and we had talked about one, and Brianna was cheerleading and broke her arm. She didn't break her arm. She broke her arm. She's telling what she... You still got a plate and five screws in it, don't you, baby girl? She had a scar, and I tried my best I got cocoa butter and all that to get the scar better, and she wouldn't put nothing on it. I know it's improper English, but it's all good. She wouldn't put anything on it. And I said, Brianna, why don't... She said, no, I got that scar for a reason. People are going to know. I said, you're young. You're, what, 12 years old? I said, you're young and pretty. You don't want a big scar on your arm." She said, yes, I do. I got a blade and five screws in there. They need to know I got a blade and five screws. It's a battle scar. I ain't scared of no scar. But I went out and bought a. She was hurt, and she couldn't do much of anything, but she could work her thumbs. So I bought her a GameCube. And they were expensive back in the day, about like a one Xbox One and all that is now, as far as money and it wasn't really something that we had all this extra money laying around. I just made a decision. I think we talked about it. We're normally pretty good about that. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> but I made a decision. We're going to get a GameCube. And when we saw we were uh, at the house the other night doing some stuff, and I saw that GameCube, and it reminded me that that wasn't something she begged and pleaded for. It was something I said, you know what? There's not a lot she can do, but she can work her thumbs. And because I love her, I want her to have it. And we wore that GameCube out. She was telling me one of the controllers wore out. We got to get another one. It still works. But we played that and played that. And we, we just had fun together with that. You know why? Not because she pitched a fit. Not because she made a declaration every day and put it up on her mirror and said, I believe I receive a GameCube. I believe I receive games to go into GameCube. I believe I receive, I'll have it soon y'all tracking with me that's not what she did and it's this week it it started with the water coolers the lord said if you'll just be with me there are those exceeding abundantly above things that you're not even asking and you're not even thinking that i want to do but i want to do them just because your heart's just to be set on me and see that's not just a material thing I believe there are healings. There are deliverances. There are things that God's doing in our lives as we set our gaze on Him. We'll, there's coming a day that we're going to look back and you'll go, I didn't even realize that that's not even there anymore. That that struggle is not even a struggle in my life anymore. That that pain or that whatever is not even there anymore. And it wasn't because I was binding and loosing, cursing and blessing. It was because I was with Him. And while I was in His presence, it happened. Amen. Let's stand.